0: businessmen teachers lawyers carpenters the very minds of the people we are trying to save but until we
1: do these people are still a part of that system and that makes them our enemy have to understand most of these people are not ready to be unplugged and many of them are so inert so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it are you listening to me Neo? were you looking at the woman in the red dress?
0: Don't look at her. Yes, she's got a red dress on. Don't get distracted by this national election circus, which is, I equate to the woman in the red dress. Don't put your hope in it. Resist the urge to believe that this time it'll be different. Welcome to the Mark Grisland Show. Here on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. Radio the way it should be. I'm live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central Time to 8 a.m. Central Time. Followed by my good friend, Mike Church, host of the Mike Church Show. As a live call-in program, you can always call the program by picking up your smartphone, opening up your uh, keypad, and... Pressing the numbers 844-527-8733-844-5 Crusade. That'll put you right through to the Louisiana studio. And there you will uh, speak to Christopher. He'll get you in the queue. And we'll bring you up live so you can speak to your fellow listeners, of which I become one at that point. I'm always curious in your thinking on these topics that we confront here daily on the Mark Presley Show. I wanna. Start off by thanking my good friend Dwayne Stovall, who filled in for me the last couple of days. Didn't he do a great job? I'm always worried about giving um, the microphone over to somebody else because inevitably, when I come back, people there start there, there begins a a clarion cry that we want to hear more of Dwayne or of Suzanne than you, Kreslins. So I always run this great risk of losing my show. Uh, when uh, when I invite others to come on and host for me while I'm doing something else. So uh, it appears that is the case again. Now there is a chant for, Give us Stovall. Get rid of Kreslins. He's a bore. Well, that's uh, all right. I got thick skin. And, uh, and I'll see if I can't persuade you to continue listening. Uh, but I will... Uh, Be cautious, shall we say, going forward of lending my microphone to either Suzanne or Dwayne. Perhaps it's time to bring my grandson on to fill in for me uh, because he's only eight and undoubtedly I can do better than him. Uh, At least I hope I can. (laughs) I'm glad you joined us, folks. It's good to be back in the saddle again. I had the wonderful privilege of filling in for Brother Church while he's taking a few days off uh, to rest up, prepare for the big push into the fall. We all know what's out there. We're bombarded by it every single day. And we're going to be bombarded by it every single day for the next 90-some-odd days, the most important election of our lifetime is occurring right in front of us. And um, so, uh, but nevertheless, as commentators, as social commentators, as um, political philosophers, we have to participate in this national election circus, if if for no other reason, just to be on the air to offer an alternative, an alternative point of view about this great election circus. And don't ever kid yourself, this is an election circus. It has very little meaning beyond the fact that there's going to be a new president in name. But as I've argued here numerous times on the Mark Kreslin Show, it doesn't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office in January of 2017. The government is going to be bigger. It is going to be more powerful and it is going to grow further in debt that is just a fact there's no disputing this uh even though people want to and i kind of understand why i used to be the same way um, i used to believe these elections were you know really mattered and i used to believe that uh you know my civic duty was to vote and that we had a uh <clears throat> we had a um Peaceful revolution every two years. I used to believe all that until I unplugged the matrix cable from the back of my head, thanks to some friends who helped me. Helped me first understand I had the cable in there. Then exhorted me to either unplug it or in hindsight now, I kind of wished I hadn't listened to their advice and I'd left it squarely plugged in. If I had, um, I would have been uh, listening to mainstream conservative talk radio, getting all ginned up again, hoping one more time that this time it's going to matter, and that we really had a candidate this time uh, that was going to was going to teach everybody a lesson. It was going to be big, bold, brash Donald Trump, uh, and I would have probably been as excited as I see some people on my Facebook feed who have become that excited about the Trumpster. And, um, and actually, you know, as I said on the Mike Church show yesterday, there are some things as I have said fairly routinely here on the Mark Roslin show, there are some things that Trump says from time to time that grab my attention and are worthy in my view of discussing one of them yesterday, as I talked about on Mike, Mike Church's show, um, was this quote that he's going to punch through the media. Well, you know, it's so funny to to see the never-Trump crowd reject a guy who is saying a lot of the things they have asked for candidates to say for a long time. Number one, take on the media. Well, here's a guy who... Let me see if we can find that clip because I actually think it's better to play the clip. I can't. I
2: think um, Trump has really ticked off a lot of veterans with that that uh, vet, veteran that gave him the Purple Heart.
0: Oh, really?
2: Yeah. Did you hear about that?
0: I heard about him get, some vet giving him the Purple Heart. Yeah, but I
2: think I think yeah uh, I think a lot of veterans are actually not happy about that because why? Because w- w- what Trump said. What did he say? So, oh, I am so happy to have received the purple heart it, It's much better than have been in the actual battle to get it <laughs> um, well, there's
0: a, some truth to that. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to get shot in the in battle
2: yeah.
0: I mean the guy was probably just doing a nice gesture to Trump to counter the whole con thing out there, and you I know was,
2: I think it was taken the wrong way
0: pro- probably you know we're such you know it's it's funny I, I'm going to get to that topic here in a moment. Because I think there is some commentary here
2: i, I believe that um, Trump is going to tank himself
0: what's that I'm sorry I think
2: Trump is going to trump himself
0: well, I think he might too i i, I think I've come to I'm um, leaning more in that direction. I continue to wait to see how this play out. Yeah. I'm not prepared to make any predictions about what's going to happen because I think you is such a this guy's such a volatile I'm, guy
2: i'm I'm monitoring this site called five thirty eight it's dot com it's, it's a, oh it's yeah a, it's I know actually, it's a pretty good um collective I know. Um, polling. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, and then uh, since yesterday it flipped around. He's um he's he's now losing by 30%. Wow. Uh, well,
0: yeah. the thing that as as any campaign manager will know and certainly this is the uh case of Paul Manford uh, who heads up Trump's campaign, it's August. A lot of this doesn't even matter. People don't really start paying attention to hashtag national campaigns uh-huh. until October. Well, so
2: he, 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 He's never going to have the state of California, the, high, the 55 delegates, the 55 um, no. college there. No. He's never going to have New York. He's not going to have the, you know, the eastern here's, states.
0: But here's the key thing. Uh, they are at least, the Trump campaign is going to make Hillary spend some money in those states. And sometimes that's all you're shooting for on a national campaign. Right. You're trying to force your opponent to spend money where they don't want to spend money. So he'll do some campaigning. He'll raise some numbers up in New York just because he's a New Yorker. And he'll give a a tiny scare to the Clinton campaign. And while they may have budgeted, you know, 50 bucks to spend in the state of New York because it was always historically so safe, they may have to spend a couple million bucks just to head off what could develop into a movement. Because if we've seen anything with Trump He's able to ignite these kind of mini-movements yeah. that might just be within a part of a state, but they become loud enough um, that they appear to have more power than they really do. It's really right. been fascinating watching this. It really has. Yeah, it is.
2: Um,
0: so, you know, he, yeah, he's not going to win those states, but he could sure make them spend some money there. So, But I, I will have to look at this um, this Purple Heart thing. I saw the headline on it, but, you know... Do, do Chris, you, you know, know this, and everybody in the listening audience knows this.
2: I don't spend a lot of time
0: watching this. I right, really do, don't.
2: Do you know where a campaign, like when they spend money, does, where does that go? It uh, goes into their ground game, media buys. Um, so it, it effectively helps pay the paychecks of people who actually work in the media. You know? <laughs> oh,
0: gosh, yes. Oh, if people only understood this sick relationship between campaigns and media. Well, it can't be sick media. for...
2: For the producers and the, the the fathers and mothers who have kids, at of course it's not. But it's 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 a um, uh,
0: it's a perpetuation of a problem, and media plays multiple roles in this perpetuation of it. So now I would never suggest for a moment that the media shouldn't allow ad purchases. Of course, it's it's a market. It's a free right. market, but. Um, well, on the one hand, they complain about money and campaigns. Right. They complain about all this stuff. On the other hand, their hand is wide open.
2: <laughs> yeah, can well, you
0: buy? Can you buy some ads on our on our station? <laughs> and that's
2: the whole thing. You know, we got to eat.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. Live. Sure, it comes down to that. And, and this, is and the, I,
2: and this is the job you have. So
0: I get the practical absurdity of all of it, believe wow. me. So uh,
2: and, and, and oh, it, it only comes around every four years. So that's gotta, it. You but you know, the it's. Of it. It's time to buy a boat every four years. <laughs> all right, I'll let you get to it. Sorry. All right,
0: that's all right. I'm glad you jumped in there. I'll have to look into that issue. But again, this is this is who Trump is. I mean, why should this be a surprise that number one, he's going to say unpolished things. He's going to say them. Uh, he's going to say them between now and November. He, if he's the president, he's going to say them after uh, November. This is who Donald Trump is. I don't think he has any interest in becoming a politician in the traditional sense. But I'm, I want to get to that here in the in the second segment, and I want to encourage some folks out there uh, to align their what they ca- claim to be their deeply held principles with their actual activity. Uh, a lack of alignment. Really opens people to accusations of being hypocrites, and uh, and I think we have a lot of that going on right now. But I'll get to that in a few moments here. Um, but I do want to talk about this uh, this issue with Trump, and let me see if I can find that clip because there are times, as I have said, that I've come on the air and said Trump has done some um, some pretty clever things, and and I actually like uh, some of the things he says. So you can find this video because I want you to hear it right from his uh, from his mouth. Here it is. Okay. so here, you know, you got Trump. uh, You got a whole group of people that I have heard just about my entire life claim that they wish they had a candidate that would actually take on the media. And and I think one of the things that excites a lot of his base is uh, the fact that he's willing to take on not just media, but a lot of other interests out there and they don't like it. So here's, here's Donald uh, punching back at the media.
1: The biggest problem we have is we have a very dishonest media. We have a media that is so dishonest that no matter what, makes no difference, but these are among the most dishonest people you'll ever, ever meet. These people, You know, I've had days where I said, boy, this was a great day. I look forward to seeing it tonight or tomorrow. And it's brutal. I say, what happened? But we're going to punch through the media. We have to. The New York Times is totally dishonest, totally dishonest. Washington Post has been a little bit better lately, but not good. By the way, New York Times, which is failing, really failing badly, which I call it the failing New York Times. Every story they write is a hit job. I could do the greatest thing in the history of the world. I could come up with a cure for the most horrible disease in the world. And they'd give me a front page, horrible, horrible story. The New York Times is very dishonest, but it'll be out of business soon, I hope. It'll be out of business. It will. Really dishonest reporters. Not all of them, but most of them. And CNN reporters, CNN, it's like all Trump all the time. All Trump all the time. You walk out of an interview, you said that was a good interview, and then you get killed for the rest of the weekend. I, I tell you, they are so biased toward crooked Hillary. You know, they call it CNN, Clinton News Network, okay? CNN, Clinton News Network. Totally dishonest. But hopefully a lot of people aren't watching it. Hopefully a lot of people. So I I have to tell you this. This is very depressing. But we have to go over this because Harrisburg area, not doing too good. We got to make it do good, right?
0: (laughs) So Trump. Uh, My gosh, what a uh, (laughs) a weird political year. But you heard him there. Now, literally, friends, think back. How many of you, how many people have claimed for literally decades that what they wanted in a candidate was somebody who was going to take on, uh, the media. Well, now you've got somebody, you got somebody who probably would have needed to be of this kind of, um, uh, persuasion, personality persuasion, uh, in order to do what people have been clamoring for for decades. Take on the media. You know, for those of you who are under, I'd say, 45, you may not remember a time when what Trump is referring to was exactly the case. The New York Times set the agenda for news The remainder of that day. So whatever the New York Times would publish in their early edition would become the news of the day across just about every news outlet. They had an almost monopolistic um, power over the news cycle, the 24-hour news cycle. And then there were other uh, uh, publications like the Washington Post, the LA, L.A. Times, Chicago Tribune that would try to challenge the Dominance of the New York Times, but never really could rise to that level. Uh, And this is some of the shtick that used to come from the Limbaugh show back in the 80s, uh, into the 90s, about the power of the New York Times. And he would routinely rail on the New York Times, rightfully so, and the conservative listening audience would cheer him on that somebody's finally exposing uh, the fraud at the New York Times, Times, which was solidly in the tank for any progressive liberal idea out there. Uh, So if the uh, Democrat Party needed to shape its message, it would go to the editors, the excellent writers at the New York Times, and they would churn out some news stories to support their position. That was just the game. That was how it was done. And for many, many conservatives, you felt like um, you were up against an impossible opponent. And the reality is the conservative... Uh, movement was up against an impossible to defeat enemy uh, in that in that configuration back in the 80s and the 90s, and then came the advent of the internet, and now here we are in the 21st century. Um, the uh, we're here in the 21st century, and uh, with a prolific blogging blogosphere out there. Uh, self-proclaimed journalist, internet journalist, website journalist, <clears throat> and suddenly the New York Times is not as powerful as it used to be. It is trying to maintain that position. And during, political, uh, during election seasons, it can appear to have regained some of that power, and this is what Trump is referring to. And yet for years I have heard people demand this is what they wanted out of their Republican candidate, somebody who would take him on. Well, you've got somebody now, and his name is uh, with Donald Trump. And he said he's going to punch through the media. Now, he uses terms that ignite the base of the Republican Party. He uses words like punch. And uh, now, whether he does that intentionally or that's just part of his personality, then uh, it doesn't really much matter because at the end of the day he accomplished a goal which is to ignite the base and the base even though right now they will not publicly walk down the street and wear a Donald Trump sign because there's you never know what you're getting with Trump Uh, the bottom line is I think he's doing a good service by exposing the uh, mainstream media to some scrutiny Granted, the scrutiny is of limited value because it's coming from Donald Trump. But I will tell you that it shakes those up in the listening audience who were there as Donald Trump was speaking and looking into the camera. Don't forget, when he was being recorded saying those things, there was actually people behind the camera there. There were reporters in that audience as he looked across the audience and said the media is totally dishonest. And uh, they heard it loud and clear. They had to sit there while people cheered around them. Now, granted, most media people have pretty thick skin, most, not all, but most. They they can take all sorts of critiques from people like Donald Trump because they look down their nose at him anyways. Uh, But it's still a little bit uncomfortable just if you're a human being sitting in that room knowing that a presidential candidate just looked at all of you and called you liars. (laughs) So I think in that regard, I will give a hats off to Donald Trump for his speech there, but I will always qualify it with the fact that I will not be voting for Donald Trump. And I think you all know that. I will not moderate. I will not change my position on that because the Trumpster says things that I think need to be said from time to time. Uh, that does not persuade me to vote, and I'm going to get to that uh, later on in the show, why I think that is really the minimal standard of civic duty. We we think it's this, oh, you watch Kreslin's, I'm going to show up in November, and I'm going to march right into that voting booth, and I am going to press a button. And I'm going to communicate to the whole world what my, in, my desires are, and then I'm going to get that I voted sticker, and you just watch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to display it to the entire community that I participated in a peaceful revolution. Well, folks, if that's how we measure civic duty, well, we do not understand what civic duty is then. And I'm going to refer to an article here in, uh, later on in the show from John Whitehead over at the Rutherford Institute. And uh, it will be interesting. It will be something I think you need to be listening to. But um, I did want to just open up with some comments about uh, Trump. And, and, and he's created some somewhat of a mess. And I, I, don't, I haven't followed the whole con controversy out there. Apparently, those two gold, gold Star parents that were at the DNC. I think, as I was telling Christopher earlier, you know, let's be honest, folks. It's August. The campaigns are not really all that worried right now. If uh, if that boondoggle had happened in October, perhaps some of the campaigns would be a little bit more nervous. But the average person in uh, hashtag the American Union doesn't really start paying attention to politics until September, October. If you watch the spending curve on national campaigns, their spending increases uh, based on a calendar. Right now, they're not spending a lot of money. Um, in some states, they are, but when, when you th- the real spending is going to come in October. That's where they're going to uh, really mobilize or get out the vote effort. They're building it right now, but they're going to mobilize it in October with early voting that starts Um, they're going to start buying massive media buys in October. Right now is August. They know that a good number of people in the hashtag American union are on vacation. They don't want to be bothered by this stuff. Uh, they don't want to be bombarded while they're on vacation. So if Trump was going to have a massive misspeak, and again, I don't know too much about the controversy there with that gold star family, but apparently it it sounds like uh, he threatened to nuke uh, Russia, <laughs> the, way, the way this stuff is getting reported. Again, I don't know what he what he actually said. But, um, uh, you know, Trump is going to do this for the remainder of the campaign. And, and for those of you who are supporting Trump, you just kind of have to cross your fingers and hope he doesn't step into it too much. Uh, the one person I kind of, only at a very small level, feel sorry for is... Uh, Pence, um, you know, I wonder if uh, he's having any regrets signing on to the Trump ticket. I, I I had honestly thought during the hunt for a vice presidential candidate, I had honestly wondered if he was going to find some kind of acceptable candidate to conservatives to join the campaign, because you got to know, Mike Pence had to know When you hook your wagon to the Trump train, uh, you're going to be in for a ride. Uh, Probably a ride that at times is going to make you very uncomfortable. And I think we're beginning to see a little bit of that in Pence um, as he has to go out and kind of defend. You know, most campaigns, the, the president is allowed to moderate. The presidential candidate is allowed to moderate to the center. And the bulldog is usually the vice presidential candidate, and uh, that's their role in a campaign. Typically, the president is to look statesmanlike; he's to issue high-minded, high-minded policy objectives and visions for the nation and our impact in the world, and then the vice president is supposed to come along and take out the knees of the opposing presidential candidate. Oddly enough, only in this election do we have it exactly the opposite. The bulldog appears to be Donald Trump. He is the one that is going to go out and try to take Hillary's knees out, and Pence is going to have to come behind and straighten out what Trump just said, or at least attempt to straighten out. Uh, what Trump just said, and uh, it's this is this is as I said as I've said for the past few months. This is a election like no other. Uh, for those of you who are political junkies that follow this stuff like I do, uh, there is going to be a great deal of entertainment these next few months. And uh, and the status quo, and this is probably one of the things things that shake up the status quo in Washington D.C. is that. <clears throat> Trump is throwing conventional wisdom out the door. Uh, he doesn't even seem to care about a conventional campaign. It appears he's not raising a lot of money, and he's going to try the uh, the personality approach to the campaign and see if he can't pack out stadiums and draw a lot of energy. That's what I was telling Christopher earlier. Trump has this ability at a micro level, at a community level, to appear to create a movement of people, and I think that's wildly underreported out there. I think uh, they don't want to report that when he lands in, like, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The thousands of people that line up, that get all excited that Donald Trump is there, and you know what Trump is saying, we're going to rebuild your city. You lost your jobs. You had a, you had a corrupt, cronyist uh, government in charge here. Uh, they've run your city into a the gutter. Uh, you've all lost your jobs. Uh, if you elect me, I'm going to make America great again. And for those thousands of people in that audience, he's going to say to them exactly what they want to hear. And whether he can do it or not is kind of immaterial. But to them, they are going to have a ray of hope. But you know, it won't just be those thousands of people. It'll be what those thousands of people tell other people. There's almost like a. I think Trump is. Building his campaign in a multi level marketing system. If he can just recruit enough uh, uh, diamond players, uh, they can, you know, find some ruby players. And before you know it, uh, Amway is off and running in the Trump campaign because he doesn't have money to really compete with her. The special interest money is apparently not coming on the field for Trump. I understand that. I get why they wouldn't want to. Um, They're. They, they appear, the smug elitists appear, to be willing to sacrifice Trump to get him out of the way and give the election to Hillary, who they know, uh, certainly from the, the moral crowd out there, they know Hillary is antithetical to everything they believe, but they have been propagandized so much to hate Trump. That um, they're going to keep their money off the field on this, on the special interest front, the business side. Uh, they don't care who's in charge. This is a corruption. this is a corrupt part of this folks. The, <clears throat> the massive uh, multinational global corporations, they don't care if it's Trump or it's um, Hillary, uh, because they've, they figured out they figured out a long time ago how to work the system. And they're not going to let anybody like. Trump come in and change that as much as people believe that a businessman at the helm will really change things people it just betrays they don't understand how corrupt this government is there's a There's a real dearth of understanding out there about the corruption um, going on in this country. We don't talk about it enough. Uh, part of the reason we don't talk about it because from the conservative mainstream talk radio cabal they want a certain party to have control of that corrupt government now i don't think it's because they get you know they, they benefit from it directly but for many of them it's kind of cool to say they you know help president so-and-so get elected and they get to sleep in the lincoln bedroom and that kind of stuff and uh, it helps them personally because uh, they're proven to be Profits and and suddenly people start listening to their programs more so they can charge higher advertising rates and they benefit indirectly that way. Um, But uh, people don't understand, really, the level of corruption that is going on there in Washington, D.C., every single day. And I can tell you why. Because we're not doing anything about it. People still have this mindset that their only duty is to go to the polls. The ho- look at this. I mean, just, just look at this election campaign. There are going to be hundreds of millions, billions collectively of dollars spent for something to happen on one day in the month of November. There are billions of dollars that are going to come onto the political field trying to get a particular candidate in the in power in Washington, D.C. And people buy into the belief that that's our civic duty. That's just how things go here in America. We don't do things any different. We just do the same thing every four years. We've done it since uh, uh, 1792, and we're going to do it, you know, until 3047, you know. Um We just don't change. So the fact that there is really no substantive change merely betrays the fact that most people don't understand how corrupt this government is, how evil it is. Uh, They've they've drank the Kool-Aid that the Democrats are more evil than the Republicans up there. Uh, There's a reason, folks, I call it a bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt national masquerading as a federal government there again it's not just a clever term i came up with i really can prove that it is a corrupt entity corrupt in other words it's it's an entity none of us should be supporting now i know the natural belief is well christmas we got to do something We've got to try to do something, Kreslins. Well, we've been saying that for <clears throat> the 30-some-odd years I've been involved in politics. Well, what has the, the we've-got-to-do-something strategy worked? How's that worked out for it? What has it accomplished? Absolutely nothing. Now, I know everybody wants to placate their conscience and say, well, we at least slowed it down a little bit. Well, how do you know? How, based on what metric can you say we've slowed it down some? You know, I I, I I so tire of this analogy of the trains. The Democrats are moving a hundred miles an hour, and the Rep- Republicans are moving ninety. We're all, but but both trains are going off the cliff, Kreslins. We know that. But one's going to run us off the cliff faster than the other. So so somehow there's some moral rationale. There's some moral superior, superiority to vote for the Democrats based on 10 miles an hour in this imaginary analogy? What if the facts were both trains are going 100 miles an hour? What if that's the actual fact base? That both parties are corrupt. They're just corrupt. The corruption comes out in their abuse of power, the corruption comes out in violating their oath of office. The corruption comes out in their distribution of, of, uh, of, um, of uh, financial resources that flow into that cesspool every year. The corruption comes out in their uh, failing to keep their promises. The corruption comes out in a whole host of ways. What if both parties are equally corrupt? Well, what do you do? Then, then, then how do you justify believing that if I just vote harder in November, uh, this time it'll work? This is the uh, definition of corruption. Dishonest or fraudulent conduct by those in power, typically involving bribery. Both parties are dishonest, both parties are fraudulent, and both parties are involved in bribery. Now, does it really make sense to say one is 100% dishonest, fraudulent, and open to bribes, and the other one is 90% fraudulent, dishonest, and open to bribes? and therefore I'm going to feel good about myself voting for the 90%? You see, folks, when we reduce our civic responsibilities, as we like to say, to voting, you're part of the problem. If you think that's the extent of your civic responsibilities, your duty to your fellow man and his Christians, your duty to God, is to run and vote for the 90% corrupt Party over the 100% if that's even the case I don't think it's the case at all by the way I, as I just said I think they are both 100 mile an hour trains and I think they're both going off the cliff my question routinely is how about we don't go off the cliff why do we have to go off the cliff why, is, why do we have to go off the cliff why is it so ingrained in us that the only solution to the problems we face is to drive off a cliff. Why do we accept the premise of that discussion? I, I really, really don't understand it. I mean, I, let, me, let me say this before I sound too haughty here. I used to be in that ilk. I did. I used to participate just like that. I voted for the 90% evil because I was feeling better about myself for not voting for the 100% evil. I did. But folks, as I've said many times in the program before, it's okay to be wrong. But it's not okay to stay wrong. Once you realize you're wrong, it's not okay to stay wrong. Now, does that mean that for the time being, it's kind of lonely out there? You're you're one of the few voices uh, that are willing to... Uh, uh, accept the notions that we're dealing with a bipartisan, corrupt, and evil government? Yeah, it's kind of lonely out here. I'm, I'm, I'm in that camp. I don't have a lot of people that say, well, you're right, Kreslins, we probably shouldn't participate in this system of government. We should write in, I don't consent to this system of government. Believe me, for every one person that agrees with me on that, I hear 50 that say I'm being irresponsible, I'm voting for Hillary by not voting for Trump. <clears throat> you've all heard it. I mean, you've all heard the every mainstream talk radio host is saying that now. We've got to hold our nose to vote for Trump. Blah 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 blah. If we don't vote for Trump, we're voting for Hillary. All that all that baloney I've heard for years. So for every one person that agrees with me that the best thing to do is to write in, I don't consent to this system of government. Uh, I hear fifty will condemn me as a traitor, will accuse me of not fulfilling my civic duty, uh, will accuse me of you know, essentially supporting uh, the Democrat as if they're less evil than the Republicans. And uh, so it's kind of lonely. Yeah, I get it. It's, you know, so when you, when you take the stance that I, I have taken, and I will not moderate this view, Believe me, I will feel no tempted. When is a stupid election? Hang on a minute. Let me even figure out what day it is this year. Um, T-I-A-L election. Let's see. There it is. Okay. So I can promise you that on... Oh, no, on November 8th. Okay, on, on, two, on Monday, November 7th, 2016, throughout the day, as all the pressure is building to go to the polls on Tuesday morning, the 8th, and pull the lever for Trump, I will feel no urge to change my view. I will not say, oh, what if they're right? What if, what if my one vote matters here? What if, what, if, what if me not voting for Trump means I'm voting for it? What if they're right Uh, I better change my opinion. I better go vote. I better vote for Trump. That won't even cross my mind. November 7th, I will be intending to write in, I don't consent to this system of government. And November 8th, I will actually do that. In fact, if I'm able to, I will take a picture of it and post it on my Facebook page, assuming I'm still here. Like I said, it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. I now have to do other things like come onto the radio program Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central Time and persuade, beg, plead, cajole people to reconsider how they are acting, how they are fulfilling their true civic obligation. How about we talk about secession? How how about we talk about educating our friends, lovingly educating our friends, our families, our colleagues, our co-workers, our, our sisters, our brothers? that the way to fix this mess is to get away from those who are in control of creating the mess, i.e. I. Washington, D.C., the bipartisan corrupt. How about we have that conversation? No, 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 Kreslins, we can't do that. We're a nation. We're one nation under God, indivisible. Oh, my gosh. Dwayne, I mean, uh, Mike Mahary. if you didn't hear my interview with Mike Mahary yesterday on the Mike Church Show, I'm going to get that clip somehow and get it up on my, my uh, Facebook page. You have got to hear this. He wrote a stunning article uh, and absolutely obliterated the idea that we should be a nation and that we should and that we are a nation. Uh, I asked him at one point during the interview, "Well, Mike, uh, what's the big deal about calling ourselves a nation?" And there was a little bit of a pause, and then Mike came out and he said, uh, "Because it's not true." <laughs> and here I was expecting, you know, this this. Uh, a philosophical answer and, and explaining explained to everybody why they shouldn't use the word nation. And his response was profound. Why shouldn't we use the word nation to describe who we are? Because it's a lie to use it. You're actually propagating a lie by using the word Nation. We are not a nation. And in a weird kind of way, don't we trample on the sacrifice of those who died on battlefields in the 1770s to give us a union, a republic made up of little republics, i.e. states? who then confederated with one another and formed a union? Don't we actually trample on their blood sacrifice when we describe hashtag the American Union as a nation? Mike is exactly right. We are propagating, we are advancing a lie. It's not true that we are a nation. I loved his response. It, you got to hear the interview. It was, I don't do great at interviewing, but it was one of the best interviews I've ever done. And uh, uh, it's why I don't have a lot of guests on my show. I'm not that great at it. So uh, I will find a way to get that clip out there because I think it's important to hear that interview. I think Mike's got it exactly right. At a minimum, if voting means nothing... What you can do today is purge your vocabulary, purge the word nation from your vocabulary. Stop calling it a nation. By doing so, you just perpetuate the problem. All right, folks. Well, if you like what you're hearing on my show, the Mark Kreslin Show here, or any other show on the Crusade channel, why not support our crusade for the truth by becoming a Founders Past member today? Please do so. We've got our August targets we're shooting for We are shooting for the magic 3,000 subscriber base. We're getting very close to that. But we need more of you who are listening to please consider stepping up and becoming a Founders Pass member and doing so today. It will cost you 23 cents a day. That's it. By becoming a Founders Pass member, you're going to be able to listen live. You'll be able to download these shows. You'll be able to follow shows like uh, my good friend Mike, uh, Mike Church, who hosts the Mike Church Show, my good friend Gregory Carpenter's Reverse Deception, Michael T. George's uh, My Story of America, on and on and on, Dr. Professor Kevin Goodsman's Constitution Hour. You'll have access to all those shows, being able to download, re-listen, But on top of that, if you become a Founders Past member in the month of of, uh, August, we're going to ship you a free copy of The Road to Independence on DVD. This is the real story of the Declaration of Independence, written, produced, and directed by our good friend Mike Church, host of The Mike Church Show. You'll get a free copy of that. If you become a founding father or a crusader or you make a $500 cash donation to our monthly crowdfunding campaign, you're going to also get a free, beautiful, handmade wooden kitchen cutting board from our good friends at McClureBlock.com. Folks, these folks support our shows. Without the folks like those, uh, our friends at McClure Block, uh, it would make getting this message out all that much more difficult. So if you become a founding father, a crusader or you make a $500 cash donation to our monthly crowdfunding campaign, you're going to get one of these beautiful, and I mean, I've got one. I'm looking at it right now in my kitchen. We've got a beautiful one there. So uh, please consider becoming a Founders Pass member at a minimum. If you can become a founding father or crusader, that's helpful as well. So join our crusade today and become a Founders Pass member by going to VeritasRadioNetwork.com forward slash the join button, or just like dummies like me, click on the join button. Or you can call 866-483-3833. That's 866-483-3833, and they'll take your information there. This is the Mark Reslin Show on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network, radio the way it should be.